Hey, let's dive in. We're in this series called Foundations, and we're in this series, and the reason we're talking about foundations is because we know, uh, both in our lives, but also even physical structures, in order for a structure to be built up, uh, even these high rises here in Bethesda, I, I recall several years ago when they were building the foundation for the Marriott headquarters, and as they, in, in order to build up, right, they have to first build a deep foundation. And the same is true for our lives. In order for us to, to build the life that God has for us, to build the life that God's called us to, we must build a deep foundation. In fact, hear the words of Jesus in Mark, uh, sorry, Matthew 7, 24, where he says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And we want you to build a house, your life on the rock of Jesus. We want you to, to build your life on the foundation that's been set uh, from the beginning of time. And uh, we're going to talk about how we can build a life with a firm foundation, how we can build a life on the rock uh, that is Jesus. And last week, we kind of opened the series talking about, in this series, we're talking about foundational elements of our faith. And last week, we talked about faith because without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please God. And then today, I'm excited. I've been excited about this one because we're going to talk about a person in the Bible who I believe, this is just my opinion, informed opinion, I believe is the most misunderstood person in the entire Bible, the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you got very nervous. Come on, somebody. Because you grew up in a church where the Holy Spirit, man, my Uncle Joe ran around the church full speed ahead. Right? That was your Uncle Joe. I'm not sure if that was the Holy It may have been the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Some of you grew up in a church where you never heard about You're like the Holy who, right? You grew up with the Trinity believing the Trinity was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Bible, right? Uh, you didn't talk much about the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're brand new. There's many of you. Catalyst is kind of your first church uh, that you've really leaned into. And maybe you, you're familiar with Jesus, You've heard about how God the Father, but you're not quite sure who the Holy Spirit is. And we're going to kind of unpack who the Holy Spirit is and the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our life. Uh, in our calendar, it's very fitting because this past Thursday in the Christian calendar is what was known as Ascension Day. Uh, the Ascension Day really marks the day that Jesus ascended 40 days after his resurrection to the right hand of the Father. Uh, and he says in the scripture, it's better that I go because I'm sending an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to come to you. And then next Sunday is known as Pentecost Sunday. Uh, and Pentecost Sunday marks the day in the Christian calendar where the Holy Spirit came and filled the believers in the book of Acts. Uh, it's, it's as, as Jesus said in Acts, that there'll be power, you'll be clothed with power from on high. And uh, so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and its role in our life. And uh, I think it's very important for us as, as followers of Jesus because there was a research done by Barna, uh, a Christian research company. And what they found was that 58% of Christians believe the Holy Spirit is a symbol of God's presence, not an actual person. Can I tell you to be clear, theologically, the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. He is God. 
And the Trinity, that's a new concept for you. It essentially means God is three persons in one. If that's a new concept for you and you're thinking, that sounds crazy, you are not alone. <laughs> in fact, the first six, six, uh, uh, the, the first centuries of the church, or the first, sorry, few years of the church after Jesus ascended, they debated this concept because it was kind of, you really, there, there's nothing else in this world that we can say illustrates the Trinity. But it's God the Father, it's God the Son, Jesus Christ, and it's God the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus spoke a lot about the Holy Spirit. In fact, in his final days, John 14, 15, 16, and 17, read them for yourself. It's after the Last Supper, before he died on the cross, he spoke a lot about the Holy Spirit. And as I said, he said, it's better that I go because the Holy Spirit will come. Uh, the Holy Spirit, to be clear, is not a symbol. The Holy Spirit is fully God, uh, and he has a unique role to play in our lives. And we're going to talk about that today, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We pray that as we open up your word today, God, that you would speak to us, Father. That you would, Lord, just speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, speak to our spirits. And we posture our heart and our mind to receive from you today and what you have for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. John 14, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading a few scriptures here. Uh, John 14, I'm going to start in verse 16. It says this, these are all the words of Jesus. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. That word advocate is the word parakletos. It's the word that Jesus would use to reference the Holy Spirit. Parakletos, there's not one English word that actually defines what parakletos means. That's why you'll read different translations. They'll say advocate, they'll say counselor, they'll say comforter, they'll say helper. And you're asking, well, what is the Holy Spirit? All of the above, all right? He, he's all of the above. So, so we don't really have an accurate word. So he's saying, he's saying I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I will give you... Another parakletos, an advocate. In fact, a word picture, if you want a word picture, it's like, it's like if, you're, if you're picking up a log and there's someone helping you pick up the log, that's a parakletos to give you a word picture of what that word, uh, that word means. To help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. We're going to talk about that. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That he's saying at this moment that Jesus is saying that, that I will come through the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Deuteronomy, it talks about how the Lord is one, that all three of them are one together. That's why when you read in the Old Testament, uh, it starts in Genesis saying, let us make man in our own image. That's actually God referring to himself as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. A word in the Hebrew, Elohim, often used to refer to God, it literally translates in the Old Testament Hebrew, us. God would often refer to himself in this. Now, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would often uh, come upon people, be in a land. You'll read in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God will move in a land. In the New Testament, as New Testament believers, this is after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, the Holy Spirit now dwells on the inside of us. The Bible says we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. 
So now it's not that the Holy Spirit is just upon us or upon an area. He actually resides in us. Before I dive into our practical uh, application today, I love this quote by A.W. Tozer, a theologian. He says, the spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan for God and his people. This is a part of the Christian life. Maybe for some of you, this will be a new avenue uh, of the Christian life. Maybe for some of you, it's bringing clarity. Maybe where there was some confusion. Maybe others of you, this will all be review. But I think God does want to speak to us today. Let me share with you the, one, of the, one of the roles. Uh, I'm going to share with you three roles the Holy Spirit plays in our life. And here's the first one. is that the Holy Spirit frees me from the power of sin. The Holy Spirit frees me from the power of sin. John 3, verse 5, Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven. Is anybody else hearing feedback, or is it just me? Anybody? Okay. I'll just FYI for, uh, come on, give it up for our production team. They're amazing. Uh, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of water and of spirit. Jesus goes on to say this. He uses this term, born again. Did anybody else, you grew up in a church culture where you use that term a lot? You know, are you born again? Well, that's where it comes from. Are you born of the spirit? To be born of the water means you are born naturally. He's saying you also must be born of the spirit. That refers to the spirit must indwell on the end side of you is what he's referring to. Here's what the apostle Paul says. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Here's what Paul's saying is that when you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit now dwells on the inside of you. You are no longer who you used to be. You were dead in your sin, but you've been made alive by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And now you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You've been made alive again. And what happens when you come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit now dwells in you. The Holy Spirit will change you. Can anybody ever testify that after you came to Christ, some things changed about your life? Maybe you became less angry. Maybe you became more gentle. Maybe you became less harsh and you became more peaceful. Maybe you struggle with anxiety less than you used to be. Maybe you had some addictions in your life, some habits in your life that the Holy Spirit has set you free from. The Holy Spirit will also change your desires. As I was thinking about change of desires, you know, in marriage, when you get married, I don't know any married people can, can attest to this. We've been married now 11 years. We 12 next uh, two months from now, uh, 12 years. Is that in marriage, have you ever noticed this? You know, the Bible says the two become one. That, that sometimes over time, all of a sudden your spouse's desires start to become your desires. That all of a sudden you start actually like some things you didn't like before you met them, before you married them, now you like. Come on. Before I met Christina, I never had salmon. Come on, somebody. Now, I could have lived without salmon, okay, you know, it's, it's not that appealing to me, but she loves it. Come on, before she met me, she had never sat down and watched an entire NFL football game. I have since blessed her life to watch the Baltimore Ravens, come on. Uh, I remember our, when our first year of marriage, she watched a playoff game with me. And, uh, and we watched the game together, come on, she now even has her own Ravens gear at home, come on. Uh, she probably still would not watch it without me, uh, but, but our desires are changed. The Holy Spirit will change your desires. 
Maybe if it's been a while for you since you've come to Christ. I was talking to somebody recently who recently came to faith in Jesus. And he was talking about before Christ. He's like, he used to go out and he used to party hard and drink too much. He says, that desire to drink like I used to drink has left me. And now he desires to read the word. He desires to know the word. Why? The Holy Spirit will give you new desires. You'll have a desire to have a healthier marriage. You'll have a desire for things. Come on, some of you, before you came to Christ, you never would ever want to come to a church. Come on. And now you want to be around other believers. Why? Because the Holy Spirit changes us. He indwells on the inside of us. And and if you're kind of a... Uh, a theology Bible nerd, a word for this process is called regeneration. What happens on the inside of us is we are regenerated by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. John 16, again, Jesus, he spoke a lot about the Holy Spirit. Here's what he says. It's best for you I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the parakletos, he won't come. If I, if I do go away, then I will send him to you and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and the coming judgment. That word convict merely means to reveal. That God will reveal your sin. He'll reveal where you're falling short. He'll, he'll reveal righteousness. He'll reveal the ways of God to you. As I was thinking about this and how God, the Holy Spirit, convicts us, I was reminded of you know a lot of newer vehicles now. If you've experienced this, they'll have... Um, not just backup, you know, when, you, when you're backing the car up or the vehicle up, cameras, but now they have alert systems, right? Where there's a noise that will go off, a light that will flash. Come on, my favorite, when the seat vibrates, come on. So if you're not paying attention, all of a sudden you're like, why is my car vibrating? It's because you're about to hit something, you know? <laughs> so that, that's called a, it's, it's called like a backup alert system, right? What is it saying? Stop what you're doing. You're about to hit something. Come on. I could have used that about three months ago when I hit something, but that's another story for another day. Um, but listen, it, it warns you so you don't make a bad decision. Here's how I want you to view the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not convict us of sin to shame you. He does not convict you of sin to make you feel worse about yourself. Can I just free somebody up today? When Jesus Christ died on that cross, when he rose again from that grave, he defeated the power of sin, the penalty of sin. Therefore, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation, you are righteous before God. Here's why it convicts you of sin. I want you to view it this way. It is your personal warning system. It's when you're about to raise your tone with your spouse or your kids and something on the inside of you says, nope, you shouldn't say that. It's when all of a sudden maybe you're about to, to have that, that, that next drink, but something on the inside of you says, I shouldn't do that. Or you're watching something, and there's certain scenes, and something on the inside of you says, I should probably turn this off. Or you're about to buy something, or some way you're managing money, and something on the inside of you. Can I tell you, listen, not always, and I, we'll, we'll, we'll clear things up on how to know if it's the Holy Spirit, but oftentimes it's the Holy Spirit saying, slow down, not right now. That he'll convict you of your pride at work because here's why. He knows that pride comes before the fall. He will convict you of greed in your heart because he knows the Bible says that greed is a trap. He will convict you of selfish ambition because the Bible says where there's selfish ambition, there's every evil thing. 
So I want you to know when he convicts you, he is helping you. He's saying, slow down, player. I, I, want, I, want, I want to help save your marriage. I, I want to help you to have a healthy mental health. I don't want you to get caught in this cycle of, of addiction. He, he convicts us. He reveals to us. He is our personal warning system. He also convicts us of righteousness. He shows us. He reveals to us the way that we should live. It's when that moment that after you had that argument with your spouse and you go to sit down and you're scrolling Instagram or the news and something on the inside of you says you need to go humbly and apologize to your spouse. He's showing you the path of righteousness. When you feel a conviction that I need to live more generous with my money, he's showing you the path of righteousness. When all of a sudden you, you, you have that thought like, you know what? I need to limit myself and how much, whatever it is that I'm doing. He's showing you the path of self-control. He shows you the path of righteousness. It's like, a, it's like our supernatural GPS. He's showing you the way to go. And here's what will happen. I want to encourage you. The more you heed the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the more you align your will with God's will. And over the course of time, things, the Bible says when we sin, we actually become enslaved to sin. And when those things that we could not get free of, those things that we could not stop in our life, all of a sudden, because we begin to submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we begin to walk in freedom. Here's the Apostle Paul says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. That he gives freedom in our lives. He sets us free from the power of sin. He sets us free. That's why for some of you, there were, some, there were some habits in your life that you could not kick until you were filled with the Holy Spirit. There were some addictions you could not get free of until the Holy Spirit came on the inside of you. Can I tell you, listen, you know this about me. I'm a former child psychologist. I am for therapy. I am for medical involvement, all of that for your mental health. But can I tell you, there are things the Holy Spirit can do that no therapist can ever do for you. Get therapy. But do, do not do that at the expense of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he's the spirit of freedom. He'll give you freedom in your lives. I was reminded, thinking of freedom, of my father-in-law here in town today. And a uh, great man of God, sincerely. You can give it up for my father-in-law. Just trying to get some points, okay? Uh, no, I, I don't know if you remember this. The first time I came to Florida to visit... Uh, and they, he uh, had, a, had a dog named Scruffy, uh, part Doberman, part Labrador. And I walked into the house, and I met Scruffy, rather large stature. Um, but in the house, he was, he was fairly calm. Like, you just think, oh, that's a really nice dog, you know. He was excited, but he wasn't, you know. But the moment he took him outside, I'm telling you, it was like a horse in the Preakness. And that dog just took off. And, and more than likely would happen is he would oftentimes come back and he'd have an animal in his mouth. Come on. He was living his best life. Like free, like when he got out of that house, he said, I'm about to go catch something right now. Come on. <laughs> Can I tell you what the Holy Spirit does for you? Listen, you may not even realize it, but that sin pattern you find yourself, you cannot get free of. Maybe for some of you, it's religious thinking where you feel like I can never measure up. Can I, can I help free you up? You will never measure up. But you don't have to measure up. Aren't you grateful? 
Three people are. That's cool. Uh, we'll keep moving forward. Um, we, should, we should be grateful for Jesus. Um, but listen, that, that pattern you're stuck into, you are like a, a, a you are like a, a uh, you're like scruffy in the house, but can I tell you what the Holy Spirit does? He sets you free to be authentically you. He sets you free from the power of sin. He sets you free to walk in your purpose. He sets you free to be who God has created you to be. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Holy Spirit has come to set you free from sin. Here, here's the second role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us in all truth. It guides me in all truth. John 16, 13 says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, the word of Jesus, he will guide you into all truth. Jesus in John 14 calls him the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit makes this book, the Holy Bible, a living word. It was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And when we read this, here's how the Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth. Have you ever had this experience? You can nod your head if so. Have you ever had this experience where you heard a message, maybe here at Catalyst, maybe at some other church, and you had this thought, the pastor was speaking right to me. Or did he know what I did? Did he know what happened to me this week? Did he know what I walked through? How did he read that email? Can I tell you, I don't know what happened to you this week, but the Holy Spirit does. So listen, while I'm speaking, preaching the word of God to you, the Holy Spirit will speak a word to you. And one of my favorite experiences as a pastor, because I know when I preach the word, it's not me, it's the Spirit of God speaking through me. Because people come up to me and they'll say, hey, pastor, when you said this in the message, that really spoke to me. And I'm like, I didn't say that. That was the Holy Spirit speaking a word for you. When, when parts of the message, right? I remember some years ago, a, a couple telling me, they're like, yeah, when we, we go to church, like there's different things we both take from the message. That's the Holy Spirit guiding you in truth. He's saying this is the truth for you. Can I, can I encourage you? Listen, I encourage you to take notes in church, not to write down what Jeremy Burroughs says. Please don't. But write down what the Holy Spirit says to you. That when you're in service, all of a sudden you have this strong reoccurring thought. You have this strong impression that I say something, and out of the, you know, I don't know how many words I say in a message, uh, maybe too many at times, but out of all the words I say, there's a word, there's a sentence, there's a phrase, there's a scripture that just jumps out to you. Write that down. Because that's the Holy Spirit illuminating truth. Or if you had this, this uh, you know, happen to you where you're reading the Bible, and you read a whole chapter. You read 28 verses. But verse 4, like, jumped out the page to you. All of a sudden that day, you're like, wow, for some reason, I never. Have you ever had this moment? You've read a chapter you read before. But when you read it, you're like, I've never read that before. Can I tell you, you did read that before. But now the Holy Spirit is illuminating that truth for you. He gives us our daily bread. Listen, the entire word of God is profitable, the Bible says, for instruction, rebuke, and correction. Listen, and the Holy Spirit will illuminate what we need for the day. That while you're, so, so I would even encourage you as well, journal when you read the Bible. Like when you read the Bible and certain things jump out to you, like write that down. Like process that with the Lord. Like, Lord, what are you saying to me through that? I've read this before, but that stood out to me this 
week, the Holy Spirit will reveal what God is saying to you. There are two Greek words that refer to the Word of God in the Bible. One's called logos, which refers to the written Word of God. And there's one called rhema. It's the revealed Word of God. Now, the rhema will never contradict the logos. But the rhema is when God, when the Holy Spirit reveals something through the word. He makes it more applicable. He makes it more powerful in that moment. John 14, 26, Jesus says this, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He will bring things to remembrance. Have you ever had this experience where maybe you were having a conversation with somebody, and then all of a sudden in the midst of the conversation, uh, a scripture came to mind, a passage came to mind? Have you ever had this moment where you're praying for someone, and all of a sudden you start praying a scripture? You maybe don't even know it was a scripture. Come on, somebody. Uh, I remember back when I first came to Christ, like verses would come to my mind. I'm like, I know that's in the Bible. I just have no idea where it is. Come on. Like he would bring things to remembrance. You know, the Bible refers to the scripture itself as the sword of the spirit. And here's how the Holy Spirit will work. You know, he, he, imagine this. It's a sword of the spirit that you wield against the attack of the enemy. And the Holy Spirit is like someone, a helper, a, an encourager, a comforter coming alongside of you, carrying your sword for you. So when all of a sudden you feel alone and discouraged... He reminds you that God will never leave you or forsake you. That when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel discouraged by an outcome at work, he reminds you that God works all things together for your good. That God will do exceedingly abundantly. He'll remind you of the truths of the word of God when you need them. He'll bring things to remembrance. The Holy Spirit, and let me be clear about this. That's why we encourage you to read the word of God. He speaks through the word. That's how God speaks primarily, to be clear. But God, the Holy Spirit, can also speak to us outside of the word. Now, I'm going to get to this. He never contradicts the written word of God, which is why we need to know the written word of God. Because if not, we'll be thinking it's the Holy Spirit and it was just cold pizza. Come on, somebody. We'll get to that. John 16, 13. Here's what he says. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. There's two terms, and maybe some of you, some of you, you're like, this is too much information. Some of you are like, I love it um, because you're a nerd like me. But there's two phrases that I'll, I want to share with you. One is called the ontological trinity, which refers to the fact that actually the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are equal in divinity, power, glory, and wisdom. Then there's a phrase called the economic trinity. And here's what this means, that even though they are equal in divinity, they're, they're, there's voluntary subordination in the trinity. Here's what I mean. It says here, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own. He, he, the Holy Spirit is subordinate to the, to the Son and the Father. As the Son, Jesus is subordinate to the Father. Are you following me? Anybody like this is too much, Jeremy, just move on. I'll move on. But for those of you who liked that, there it was. But here's what I want to share with that. He will not contradict what the Father is saying, what God has already said in his word. That's so important. Because there have been some segments of Christianity that have gotten way off. Because they, they says, thus says the Lord, but it contradicts what the Lord already said. Listen, that's why it's so important to be grounded in the word and, if, and, and, and to be a part of a church that the word of God is held in high regard. Because things can get a little bit wacky if that doesn't remain 
part of our foundation. But he does, he can speak outside of our time in the word. Here's what it can look like. Have you ever had this experience before? Maybe, maybe it was during your devotional time. Maybe it was at work. And you had this strong reoccurring thought like, man, I, I should text this friend of mine and check in on them. Or you ever had this thought where you were out at lunch. You weren't thinking about this at all. And all of a sudden, you had this strong reoccurring thought, I should pay for this person's lunch. Or all of a sudden, you get a phone call coming in. And you rarely pick up phone calls. Come on, somebody. Because it's 2022. Um, <laughs> But you're like, I should pick this one up. Have you ever had those moments where you couldn't even explain it? Like, I can't even really fully explain it why I feel like I'm supposed to do this. Or you go to some event, you're like, I just feel like I'm supposed to go to this event. That's, now, it can, it can be cold pizza, right? <laughs> or it can be the movie you watched last night. But it could be the Holy Spirit. And be sensitive to those moments where you feel a nudge, where you feel a leading to do something because that could be the Holy Spirit speaking to you and lead, leading you. Now let me give you a, a, a threefold test to run, to run a filter through this. This is important to know. Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it cold pizza? Or is it the Netflix series I've been to the past several days? So here's the first question to ask yourself is when you feel those leadings is does it align with God's word? So first one. So if you said, hey, Jeremy, I feel like the Holy Spirit told me I'm to steal from my neighbor. I'd say it's probably not the Holy Spirit, okay? He's pretty opposed to stealing. Um, are you following me? But if you don't know the words, you're like, I'm supposed to steal from them. So does it, does it, does it, does it align with his word? Or, but, if, but on the flip side, if you're like, I feel, I remember years ago, somebody who was brand new to faith, and I love these questions. If you're newer to faith, please ask questions. Uh, that's how you learn and grow. Somebody who was brand new to faith, and he felt like God was leading him to give a significant amount of money away. And he said, is this the Lord? I said, well, the very nature of our God is he's generous. And all throughout the Old and New Testament, it says to give. How many of you know, if you feel led to give, number one, it's not the enemy because his name is the thief. Come on. It's probably not your flesh. Let's be honest. I mean, you good. You saying that good. It's probably the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? So, so, so be sensitive. It doesn't align with his word. Here's a second one. And this is where one I've seen some people skip. And this is so important, especially for big decisions. Is have I sought godly counsel? Godly counsel is someone in your life who is filled with the spirit of God. They're following Christ. Like they're genuinely following Christ. A great example is a community group leader, a team leader here at Catalyst. My advisement is you want to have two to three people you can go to for godly counsel. Because there's moments, especially, hear this, for big life-changing decisions. Like, for example, if you feel, I'm supposed to marry this person, right? And then maybe there's godly counsel in your life, and they say, this person you feel led to marry doesn't believe in Jesus like you do. You need someone who can speak into your life. Are you following me? Now, this is going to be hard. This is, this is contrary to our American culture. Please hear this. But here's the next step. is you to be, I'm going to say it like I feel it, mature enough that when you ask godly counsel, you submit to godly counsel. That's the hard part. Can I be honest? I have had godly counsel in my life tell me things I did not want to hear. I was hoping when I went to ask them, I was praying, please tell me what I want to hear. 
And when they tell me what I don't want to hear, you know what that's a test of? Do I trust the Holy Spirit or do I trust myself? That's why I say have two to three. Because if you just have one person, if the one person's off, you have a couple people. Right? <laughs> I'm just being honest. The Bible, let me give you scripture. The Bible says in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. Who's your counsel? Who's your, I love it when people come to me and they ask for counsel. Listen, not, it's not about me, but I love the fact that people seek. You need to seek counsel. You need to have somebody in your life that you submit to for godly counsel before you make a decision. A busy, big decisions. Now, if it's like I feel led to buy someone's lunch, do that. <laughs> you don't got to ask godly counsel for that. Or I feel led to pray for someone. That's probably the Lord. Like, do that. But bigger decisions. Marrying someone. I, I need to quit my job and start this business. You might want to seek some godly counsel. Um, here's the last one. This is kind of the it factor, I think, is do I have the peace of God? A peace beyond all comprehension. There have been times I have done things where I have felt led by the Holy Spirit that naturally I had some natural fear, but I had this deep peace. There was this peace that I know the Lord was in it. You need to have that peace. If you're not sure if you have that peace, again, that's where godly counsel can help you discern the peace of God. There's several ways in, 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 in environments and in, in methods that the Holy Spirit can speak. Let me just show you a, th- a few ways in Scripture. I mean, we could spend the next 30 minutes on this, but we'll spend the next about seven minutes on this. Um, Acts 13.2 says this, um, that while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, so they were in a church, church service, a worship service, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work which I have called them. You know, if you want to be more sensitive to the voice and leadership of the Holy Spirit, is gather with believers in worship. God speaks in moments like this. It's shown all throughout the scripture. And the presence of God will manifest differently in the corporate gathering of believers than he does when we're by ourselves. Be sensitive. Let me say this as well. God does not just speak through the message. He speaks through worship. Can I encourage you? Please hear this lovingly and pastorally. Now, I know if you have, like, young children, it can be hard to get to church on time. But as best you can, get to church on time for worship. Because God will do something in worship. There's, some, there's a reason we start with worship. Now, some, some of you might be more of a message person than you are a worship person. But can I encourage you? Man, learn to develop your passion for worship. God will speak through worship. God can speak through a lobby conversation. That's why I encourage you, don't rush out of here. God can speak something to you through someone. God speaks to the people of God. Years ago, it now was uh, 11 years ago for us, Christina and I, God spoke to Christina and I in a worship service, just like today. We were in worship, and and during the the, the worship music time, I felt this overwhelming sense of peace. We had been praying about whether to move to the Washington, D.C. area. We were living in Virginia Beach to be a part of a local church here, just to move and be a part of it. Not to work for it, just to be a part. We were praying about, should we move up here? And during that worship service, I felt this overwhelming sense of peace. And I felt the Holy Spirit just just kind of, just almost whisper to me. Not audibly, but in my spirit. You're to move to Washington, D.C. So I walk out of the service, and I go to tell Christina this. Because I'm excited, like, okay, I got, I got, when the Lord spoke. Before I could tell her, she, she told me that in that same worship service, The Lord gave her a vision of us with our friends up here in D.C. at the church, and she had a peace. We started weeping after that. We knew God had spoken. 
Now, we had sought godly counsel too. But I'm telling you, be sensitive. Again, don't just come to hear what's being, you know, spoken from this stage. Come to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to your heart because he wants to speak. Let me also say this. The Holy Spirit, God, can speak just as much through a yes as he can through a no. Let me say this, Acts 16, 6, here's scripture for you. Paul and his companions were traveling through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having, watch this, been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. You ever been kept from the Holy Spirit by doing something you wanted to do? I remember uh, around that, about a, that moment I just shared, about a year prior, uh, I was in the process, um, I had not yet met Christina, and I was in the process, I was working as a psychologist in the Virginia Beach area, Hampton Roads, Virginia, and I was in the process of applying for a position in Washington, D.C. with D.C. public schools to be a child psychologist. It was a great position. I had friends already up here, and I was in the process of applying. I got my reference letters. I had my, my CV all set. I was about to send it away. Everything was good to go. One day, I'm in my office. It was like a Thursday morning. And my boss's boss calls me out of the blue. And he says, Jeremy, I was in our leadership meeting today for the entire school division. And he says, the superintendent of the schools asked me, asked all of us to share someone in our school division who we're grateful for. And I said, I'm grateful for you. And all of a sudden when he said that, there was something on the inside of me which was like, I need to stay right here. Four months later, I met Christina. Sixteen months later, I moved to Washington, D.C. with my wife. How many are grateful? I said no to what I wanted to do. Come on, I'm grateful. Come on. <laughs> Allow God to tell you no. God, I want to leave this job. No. God, I don't want to go to this event. You're going to go. Be, be sensitive. Listen, here's one last thought I'm going to share with you. Do not confuse easy or comfortable with God. Let's just strip down an idol in our Western culture. In America, we love comfort. We love comfort and ease. We love for things to go comfortable and easy, but sometimes God will ask you to do things that are hard and sacrificial and costly. Matthew 4.1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Paul was led into environments where he was imprisoned for his faith. He was led into environments he was beaten for his faith. So there are times, listen, do not confuse, oh, wow, because things are easy, because I got a promotion, because I got a raise, because things are comfortable, it's God. Sometimes what can be God can be very, very hard things, very, very difficult things. To stay in a marriage, that would be easier to leave. To, to stay at a workplace, that would be easier to go somewhere else. And God, I'm not saying this is the word for you, but God may actually ask you, because here's what I found personally, when I've walked through hard things, is that it's oftentimes through the hard things of life, you become more dependent on God. 
And all of a sudden you realize, in my weakness, his power is perfected. Can I tell you, I remember when Christina and I were led by the Holy Spirit, confirmed by God the Council to start Catalyst Church. Can I tell you, there were some nights, some days before there was any of this. Before there, it was like the very beginning stages. There were nights and days where I was like, Lord, this is hard. Are you sure this is you? Because if it's not, I'm out, right? Like it's, it was hard. But can I tell you, my prayer life got stronger. I got more dependent on the word of God. Sometimes God will take you through a hard season to make you more dependent upon him so you experience more of heaven on earth. Be careful you do not confuse natural comforts with the kingdom of heaven being on earth. Sometimes the kingdom of heaven will come through our hardest situations. Charles Spurgeon, I think, was the one who said, and as much as the Holy Spirit led Stephen, if you're familiar with Stephen in the book of Acts, he was an evangelist to preach the word of God. That same Holy Spirit was involved when Stephen was stoned to death. He'll sometimes lead you to do hard things. But regardless, Galatians 5.25, let us follow the Spirit's leading, as Paul says. Here's my third point, my last point. So the Holy Spirit guides us in all truth. The Holy Spirit frees us from sin. Here's the third one. The Holy Spirit empowers us to fulfill our purpose. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, the words of Jesus. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Power will come upon you, he says. That this power comes upon us so that we can be witnesses. We can fulfill our purpose. We can do what God has called us to do in this life. In fact, I want to illustrate this for you. I was, um, the other day I was at my, uh, about a few months ago now, I was at our house and I had gone to um, turn the light on. I'll take that from you. Thank you. Um, I had gone to turn the light on in our, in our living room, and uh, it's actually a lamp that I have here this morning. And I went to go turn this lamp on, and when I went to hit the switch, like, it didn't work. So I thought to myself, maybe it's a light bulb, right? Maybe it was, you know, it's been a while. Maybe when we moved, it kind of got jostled around. It's not working anymore. So I changed the light bulb out, and it's still not working. So I think to myself, well, this, this lamp must be must be malfunctioning. Right? I, need, I need a new lamp, right? Well, then I, ha- I, had the, I had the wherewithal enough to look down on the floor. And I noticed these two little pieces of metal were not plugged into the wall. <laughs> so uh, I wasted a light bulb. Uh, I plugged those two pieces of metal in. And I hit the switch, and it came on. How many of you know a lamp without power cannot light up a room? I think it's no mistake that Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And he says, he told his disciples, you better not leave from here until you're a clothe of power from on high. Because you cannot be the light of the world in and of yourself. You'll be like a lamp that's not plugged in, changing the light bulb out. Listen, I am all for, listen, you cannot fulfill the purpose that God has for you without the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I, I'm all for education, training, experience. But listen, sometimes what you need is not another degree. It's not more experience. 
You need the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he's calling you to do. You, you need the power of God to come upon you so you can do what he has called you. I've said this before and I'll keep saying it. I want your life to not make natural sense. When they see what God does in you and through you, they can say, I know Jeremy is not that smart. I know he's not that talented. Listen, I want your life to be unbelievable to people. How, how did you do that? I've told this before, and I just feel led to say it again. I grew up, I had a stuttering problem. I, I did miserable in public speaking in college. So when people come up to me and say, Jeremy, you're a great preacher, a great speaker. Can I say, I laugh on the inside, and you know what I do? I know it's not me. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So listen, listen. And when that's in you, and some of you have the power through administration, through leadership, through the way you're compassionate and caring, some of you have the power of God through your creativity, can I give you a little word of wisdom? When somebody comes up to you and says, man, the way you played that music, the way you created that project, the way you gave that presentation, and you know if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, you could not do it, let me give you just something you can do to give it back to God, that when you get alone with God, you say, God. This glory they gave me is all of yours. You get all of the honor. You get all of the glory. It's you. But you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways he, 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 he demonstrates his power is through our gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. There are different gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I won't go into details, but there's 27 spiritual gifts listed in the scriptures. One of, one of our desires here at church through our next steps process is to help you discover those spiritual gifts. Because can I tell you, the Bible says it's an endowment of the spirit. It is actually, listen, some of you are gifted with administration. Some of you are, there's something in your life that has always come easy to you. Like some of you, you are so gifted at leadership, you develop people in your sleep. Some of you are so creative. It doesn't matter what it is. You're, you're great at it. Can I tell you, you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit upon high. So when you do that thing, it's the presence of God. It's the Spirit of God coming through you. It says in the scriptures, Romans eight twenty six. That in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I love this idea that the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. Can I tell you tomorrow morning when you get those kids up and you're getting them ready for school, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. That when you take that exam at school, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. That when you're giving that presentation at work, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. That when you're struggling with that anxiety, he's interceding for you. When you're dealing with that illness in your body, he's interceding for you. Acts 4.31, it says this, that after this prayer, the, the early church were praying together. The meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God boldness they were filled 
They ask the Holy Spirit to empower them. Can I tell you, I'm going to be real practical, that when you feel maybe tomorrow morning you got to make a decision at work and you're lacking clarity, that you can ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. That when you're feeling overwhelmed raising those children, you can ask the Holy Spirit for strength, parents. That, that when you're, you're unsure, of, you can ask him for wisdom. When you're anxious, you can ask him for peace. You can ask the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh and anew, to empower you, to give you a peace beyond all comprehension, to give you clarity, to give you direction, to give you wisdom. He is our helper. He is our comforter. So I want to close service today. I've talked to you about the role of the Holy Spirit. He, he helps set us free from the power of sin. He guides us in all truth. He empowers us to do what God's called us to do. He's given you spiritual gifts. He's empowered you to live the life he's calling you to live. Ephesians 4, 18, the apostle, 5, 18, apostle Paul writes this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Throughout the New Testament, it talks about this idea of being filled with the Spirit. Again, once we come to faith in Christ, we have the Spirit indwelling in us. But the Bible also talks about that whether it be disobedience, it be sin in our life, can sometimes quench the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we, we need the Holy Spirit to fill us. And ultimately, how we allow the Holy Spirit leadership in our life is through obedience. But there are times in the scriptures we see a prayer for the Spirit to fill us. I want to pray for you today. Acts 8, 15 and 17. Peter and John came into Samaria. The believers there, they asked them they had received the Holy Spirit. They prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on them. They placed their hands and they received the Holy Spirit. If you're wondering, Jeremy, how do I know if I should be prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How should I know if I should be prayed for? And again, we see this throughout the New Testament. Let me give you a few just based on what we've just shared. If you, if you have felt spiritually dry or weak, and please hear this, there's no condemnation if you have. I've had seasons where I've felt dry spiritually. If you feel like you're not hearing the voice of God like you once did, if there's an area of sin in your life that in your best efforts, you still can't get victory over that pride, can't get victory over that lust, can't get victory over that bad habit that you know you shouldn't do, those might be signs that I want to receive prayer. 